episode of the Ever Black Podcast is brought to you by Death Wish Hot Rods and Customs. Check out their Instagram for all their new t-shirts, caps, beanies, cups, and the all-new Atomic Death lineup. to start it by full disclosure i've been a massive fan for many many years pretty sure i've still got broken ribs after seeing you guys at the palace nightclub in 2001 with the with the rollins band <laughs> oh that was good show that yeah. was a fantastic fucking show you know what i'm a massive rollins fan but Same. you guys absolutely destroyed them that night there is there is no uh, holding a candle to how dude you were so tight and i mean you are pretty much every show that I've ever seen you. So, um, but no, that was a fantastic fucking gig. It was the first time I actually got to see you as a you know twenty-one year old. Go, yay! <laughs> so, pretty sure my ribs are still half broken from that night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, look. Firstly, uh, congratulations on um, making it into the South Australian um, uh, Hall of Fame, um, Musicians Hall of Fame. So, there we go. Yeah. Um, and. Look, it's close to 40 years now that you guys have been a band. So how did it come about after all that time? Yeah, I, look, I don't know the ins and outs of it. It's interesting. We were, um, I heard about it, you know, I think it was um, earlier this year, um, Tim Pittman, who looks after us, he just said, hey, do you guys know that, you know, Sammy have approached and asking you to, uh, you know, in, in be inducted. And I mean, I was... Um, surprised actually a little bit um but um because it's not like people can just sing the songs that we put out there you know when you think about you know bands like the angels cold chisel yeah. i was yeah i don't know um i but again I, I thought that's a really nice thing that they've asked us um i would not say in an interview some of my thoughts in the previous about and you know things with them um, the way music has been judged and uh, presented in, in Australia, in South Australia, uh, you know, in the last 30, 40 years. But I think Samia, are, I see Samia now as a, a, a lot more legitimate than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they, um, I, I look, it's, it's great that they've, they've offered it to us. It's, um, it's a little bit odd. And I think, you know, I obviously think there's bands that probably are more deserved of it sometimes. You know, I think people like who really, put SA on the map in the eighties, like exploding white mice and, and guys like that were, were um, really important about letting people know that Adelaide had music here, you know, that whole mm. catalog of bands from the late eighties. Yeah. I mean, you really represented from the nineties though, when, you know, when you really started yeah. to, you know, have that, have that impact across the nation and yeah, you are right. It's not, it's not the angel style of music, but, there's, you guys have a lot of respect, I think, which is where yeah. um, some of the you know majority of the Australian pop bands never really had that in the same way uh, in international respect. And you're also there's really apart from Helmet, there's no one who sounds like you guys. And you guys came up at the yeah. same time together, so you know it's yeah. one of those things. You guys are far away from um, from the norm, really. Yeah, so, we don't. It's always been weird. Yeah, we don't really. We've never really sat in a 
in a particular category apart from that that really riffy heavy thing but yeah it's it's always i mean i think that made it difficult when we first started people didn't quite get where we're coming from but um yeah and of course you're right the 90s was the the key time i think we we got our shit together through that late 80s period and i think i still think it was almost beneficial that kim and i both it was virtually two years where we weren't playing Mm -hmm. because he was overseas and i was and that was that whole 90 91 92 when um you know that whole nirvana grunge thing took took hold so when we came back and started playing even though for us it wasn't new Mm. we were new to everybody else well that's it and Mm. is one and like you said i mean you guys were always uh, a, a different kind of band to whatever else was going on at the time. Probably the heaviest non-metal band mm. in Australia, the world. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I once I can remember reading a review of um, "This Is This." Uh, it must have been in like one of those FHM or something like that magazines that said you start with a thump, you end with a thump, and thump all the way through. <laughs> I've always, I've always loved that as a perfect representation of what I thought the, the market came were all about. But, you know, you've, <laughs> you've, you've picked up this um, honour from the South Australian Hall of Fame, yet, you know, Arius doesn't seem to have really paid any attention or on a national level, you know, it's, it's more of a, yeah. a local thing rather than a national thing. Does that, yeah. does that ever, uh, it sounds like it does get up your nose a little bit uh, from what you were, you were sort of alluding to earlier. Yeah, look, I don't think it matters. And again, I've always said we've never been a band that chases that sort of thing. And I look, it's obviously when people get it, it's, it's obviously a, a huge importance. But I never really work out what are they really recognising bands for any at the ARIA level. It's usually um, it's usually uh, how much wealth they can generate for other people. Yeah, exactly. It's it's wealth generation, isn't it? Yeah. Um, not necessarily for the band either. No. Um, so yeah, and what does that mean in the scheme of things? Who gives a fuck, right? Not much, not much. You know, I I had this exact same conversation with Ray Arm from the Hard Ons the other day, and he was yeah. saying much Ray the same. Be, he would again, yeah, he'd always say, say like you know the Hard Ons are a hundred miles away from or kilometers, whatever, thousands of kilometers away from what all that is about. They and I, I like to think we're similar like that. Well, yeah, and again, it comes down to respect. You know, you guys are respected, uh, not necessarily selling a million one albums, but people hear your name and you respect it. And there's a lot of other Aussie bands who are in that category that you can't get arrested here in Australia. I'm sure you could, could if you tried, but as a Absolutely. band, you know, um, you're not yeah. not given the respect by the general Australian public that, you would you do in other parts of the world who actually respect decent music but anyway i digress yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you guys have explored every kind of tension really so the new tour you're calling a different kind of tension what tension are you referring to <laughs> i think i was really that that was um i really heavily went back to a buzzcocks phase actually yeah and um, and um at first, I was going to say I wanted to, to make it a bit of a, a you know, a, a different music in a different kitchen type, you know, a, a different music in a different city. 
And then Kim said, oh, no, that's just the same fucking music in the same city. So we threw that <laughs> one out. Um, and I always look like uh, sort of like the artwork of Malcolm Garrett and that. And, uh, you know, I guess I just I just threw it out there that um, I wanted us to do something for, because of, for whatever reason, I'm just thinking just so much in this buscock's headspace because <laughs> I was um, reading all these books and some interesting um, lost tapes where a journalist interviewed Pete Shelley um, previously just before he died. Mm-hmm. But um, the idea at first was... I think Kim wanted to call it the long black tour for whatever reason, because I think he loves coffee, but he also saw us we're coming out of the, the, the darkness of fucking two years of nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's why a different kind of tension, I think was part of it was this whole last two years has been a different kind of tension for everybody. Just shit. Um, <laughs> it has been shit. It's like, for me, I feel like two years got wiped off the calendar, two years off yeah. of my life and just yep. gone. We're in 2020 now we're in 2022. What the fuck happened? Yeah. Um, and not necessarily there's and there's all some of the I think poor decisions in between um, government policies and whatnot and and I mean I'm fully for vaccine and stuff like that but I mm. think that to some extent there's just been some yeah nanny state sort of stuff in there as well that have uh, it's really been interesting quite a division um, more than any time in that two years of you know and friends who've gone down the rabbit hole mm. some that's who what happens moved. when you have too much time on your hands Absolutely, it is. It is. So, yeah. Anyway, so that's really the tension we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Well, given that you know we had two years of lockdown, so um, when can we expect the new Mark of Cain album after ten years? You know, where uh, us, us fans are really coming. champing at the yeah. bit here. <laughs> Question keeps coming. That's um, now it's the third time. And I know. I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah. And look, I. I do, I'll say, I'm always noodling and, and messing around with stuff. I've got stuff taped and backed up. Um, I'm going to say, I have my, I mean, I have my drum kit here because I still piss around on drums. I don't know if you can see that. But anyway, um, I, at this point, I've got stuff that I want the guys to work on. But um, right now it's like rehearsals for these shows. And yeah, we have talked about it and whether or not it's, I don't think, I think we won't approach anything that we would release as not an album per se. I'd rather mm-hmm. do some stuff if it's a four track vinyl EP yep. or even a shared EP, something with someone else. I know it's some ideas there. Um, yeah, I think that's what we're looking at. Not necessarily a, you know, a big landing and a whole lot of uh, new stuff. And plus, yeah. I've always, I'm, I never want to be the band, you know, the, the band they do their final album or that album that becomes, oh yeah, geez, they just lost it. And that's that's where I'm really careful. Everything has to have that same amount of, oh, whatever, you know, immediacy, urgency, makes sense. It's the lyrics that make sense. It's the, the music that makes sense. You don't want to be treading the same. Well, I mean, we do tread the same boards. You know, I, I'm, I'm often seeing similarities through the music. Um, I think when we did, when I think when we did Battle Sick Tour and I went back and we were looking at songs, I was like, oh, fuck, I've used that before. Oh, I've used that before. I've seen that progression before. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing things that I utilise throughout my music, you know, writing. Um, I want to make sure that we do something that's interesting if we release it. But, yeah, so to your point, um, I would like to do something. I would like to get in the studio later this year at least run some stuff by the guys and then work out what we want to do so never and say you, never 
And is that sort of your your um, process then for songwriting? Are you the evil man who writes those terrifying drum rhythms and stuff like that? Or do you just come to the band with uh, bare bones of songs and uh, the rest of the guys add their pieces? Most times I know what the drums need to do. I might not be executing it exactly how it should be. I drummed for five or six years um, when Team Up was still going for another band called Fear and Loathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and my skills aren't anywhere near like Eli's or anything like that. But um, I'll definitely know when I've got a riff running instinctively what that beat should be mm-hmm. organically. Um, the nuances that drummers put in for fills and that, that's really up to them. Um, but yeah, I'll go. I, I like to go with pretty well everything solid or at least in sections. Or um, We're not really a jamming band. It's more, you know, Here's, here's a here's a riff, get Kim yeah. to play over and over, drums, idea, and then work it. And then, um, yeah, try to put it together. Um, we haven't done that so much organically lately. Um, when we did the last album, it was with um, with John Sania. That was mm. more almost writing in the studio. And right. it's not as organic. I mean, we did do a lot of pre-work to that. That, that album, Songs of the Thunfy, took ages to come to fruition because we had done work we did pre-work yeah. just he and i working jamming jamming taping ideas and turning into something but yeah it's nice to do it organically in the band practice room and then you come up with a fully laden song yeah so yeah um but yes yeah, so i usually am the one that brings it to the guys and mm. <laughs> interesting have you ever tried to jog to something like tell me i tried once i ran into a post that would be impossible <laughs> <laughs> That's why I say it's just evil. Is I suppose I suppose you know that's probably why you went through so many drummers in the early days. Oh my goodness! Yeah, we burnt the poor yeah, buggers out here to put them down. <laughs> we were reminiscing on the drummers, but yeah, no, it's good. And Eli is um, so solid and just fits in great. It's really good. I mean, when I think back, he joined us as a young guy, he's starting to get middle aged now. I think. Oh dear, aren't we all? <laughs> so you guys are in a pretty good position as far as the band is concerned I mean you, you booked a couple of shows in Adelaide and all of a sudden they sold out pretty damn quickly and then the rest of the national tour is selling very quickly but yes. you know you've also got your lives as well it, you don't have to do this this isn't something like yeah. um, someone who's got their entire career invested in just playing music you've got your yeah. own careers outside of this yeah. so does that give you a lot more leeway to be able to really enjoy being a musician and being enjoy being in a band that can do that uh, put the you know not not to say you do but put your guitars on ice you know push your brother into yep. a, um, a cryogenic chamber for a couple of years <laughs> and then pull him out again <laughs> and get started um yeah look and i think yeah it's good i mean look there would in the early days i think i would have liked to have thought that it could parlay into something more full-time and you know always could have but i guess you know um, engineering always called to me and I'm doing, I do less engineering, I do more like on the management side or whatever and, but I'm, I'm still very, I love what I do outside of this um, and musically it is good because I think that if you're it depends, I think it's a two-edged sword, you know, if you're, if that's your whole way of generating income uh, I think it makes it difficult. You see a lot of bands just really struggle to do that and it, it just never seems to work. As soon as that's your way of 
supporting yourself. I think people make decisions that they might not necessarily make. Not they don't make good decisions. Mm-hmm. Not saying for everyone, but I think that um, it does afford the idea that you can come to it and just play it, and you can be quite brutal in your quality assessment. You know of what makes a good song and what you mm-hmm. what you're willing to accept to put out there. So, I mean, that's how I see it. I think that 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 makes it you know better than bands just like putting shit out for the sake of putting shit out. Just because you have to have another record and you know one or two hits yeah. and the rest is all just pus. Yeah, I mean it's fantastic if you're feeling really creative. I don't. I think my creativity is it's in little little little. But it's now it's not like it was when I was uh, younger. Yeah, and, and I suppose that leads me to the next question that I had, which is around the um, the power that you guys put into your music. I mean, it's always been, as I said, starts with a thump, ends with a thump and thumps all the way through. And it's got that, I mean, it's it's that angst that men of my, you know, my age and 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 mm. older yeah. and younger all sort of feel. Do you see any time that that might actually sort of drop off for you? I mean, you seem like a pretty happy kind of a guy. Uh, do you see a point where it might be a bit hard to sort of, you know? Um... It, look, when we we had a yeah, we said the the practice side of it. We started you know a few weeks ago. We hadn't been together for two years. It was literally two years since we did our last show, and actually we're together in a room mm-hmm. rehearsing and. Um, I was just amazed at how well it all came together, how brutal it sounded. It was sounded really fucking good. And I was just like, wow, you know, we're at the level. I mean, we wouldn't have played a gig like how that was, but it was pretty tight. Yeah. Um, you know, it need, needs to be, you know, a bit. And I was just amazed at how after two years, how together it was. Um, and I loved it. I just went through it and I was just like, fuck, this is so good. This, and it was just so brutal. And, it, and it's, um, you remember, that's just three guys. No one else is hearing this. Yeah. It's just us guys just going through it and going, fuck, that sounds good. And which sounds really up yourself, I suppose. But, you know, you just know it's just got this solidity and it just sounds brutal. And, you know, we're always a bit concerned about some of the other people who are practicing at the place we do. We think we're always closing the doors and saying, oh, we don't want to annoy everyone else because when we start playing, it fucking wipes out everybody else. <laughs> in the place we always feel terrible i think one of the bands left some donuts outside our door after the practice <laughs> and said oh it sounded really good something like that it was quite funny oh fantastic um, so so big yeah. you, you you play at full volume then i take it oh we don't um but we're still it's kim he's the loud one and um, I, I, I noted that my, my guitar's just a little bit lower this time and um, i don't know i just think the combined Three becomes, you know, one and it gets much bigger. I I have stuff that I write mm-hmm. that's for me that mm-hmm. is much more melodic and um, probably could might interest people. I've just never, ever put anything out. And perhaps one day I will. Mm-hmm. And, but I do have stuff that is just, yeah, stuff that doesn't work in the market game. Mm-hmm. And that still you would. You can tell it's it's me, but um, yeah, it's a bit different. So sometimes I think, yeah, I should just grab Eli and Kim and lay down a whole lot of stuff that is not released under the mark of Kane, although yeah. it would be us playing it, but it would be a, a particularly different feel. It might be of interest. That would be cool. I'd be, I'd, mm. I'd be keen to hear it. 
I'm sure there'd be mm. plenty more that'd be keen to hear it. I mean, you got a lot of you got a lot of powerful friends about the players who'd be quite happy yeah. to, I'm sure. Um, and, and on more of a sort of music gear geek, what are you guys using to come up with that sound? I mean, obviously the Rickenbackers have got their very, you know, their very yeah. distinct sound, particularly Kim's bass, which is just this rumbling monster. But as far as amplifiers and everything are concerned, a lot of people are moving towards, um, you know, the digital um, amp modelling yep. and stuff. Are you guys still 100% yep. into, you know, your tube amp and massive uh, cabs and all that stuff? Consider the digital amp modelling. And I remember um, Eli's um, other band that he's in, which is a, is a heavy band as well, Life Pilot. They, <laughs> their guitarists use those digital um, uh, simulation type, amp type stuff. Um, and I almost went to go that way because I was having so much trouble with my amp at one stage, um, which is a, a Adelaide-based uh, one called MHB. It's after the Manfred H. Bayer, who's a German guy who designed it's like 150 watts and it served me well for 30 odd years, but it was uh, having a lot of breakages. Mm. Um, and knock on wood, it's fixed at the moment. But I was having a lot of difficulties matching that with on the road, if that conked out, it was always the marshal. And, mm-hmm. and the marshals are too dirty for what I do, um, yep. which might sound weird, but it just doesn't work. Um, I can get by with them, but um, I found H and H. Yeah, H and H. Their heads are very, very um, clean, um, yep. and so that's what I've got. If as a backup, if we're mm-hmm. when we're we're touring. Uh, because what I do is everything has to be cleaned through the amp, which is what this MHB was about. This guy was mm-hmm. very much, he wasn't a big rock and roll yeah. guy. He designed things to be very pure. So, yeah. you know, um, and even then I don't use the high sensitivity channel. I use the low. So even then it's not overly distorted. And um, when I go through high, my amp is 150 watts, whatever, pure RMS. And the thing is that, the sound I have really has to be whatever pedals I've got running, which is the metalizer, yeah. which is the one I always use. Metalizer and equalizer, really simple, maybe a mm-hmm. bit of reverb these days, and I've got a little chorus occasionally use. It's very, very simple setup. Um, Kim uses, again, where we practice at Custom Music, um, Frank um, Frank Woogie, he does his, his Woogie amplifier, mm-hmm. and that's what Kim uses. And the bass and the, and the woogie, I guess it's very similar to a boogie, you know, the yep. boogie. Um, and then Kim has just some basic pedals he puts it through. He does have a particular pedal. Oh, now I can't remember what the um, the brand name is, but I remember it's it's basically a preamp, um, and it, it sets the bass sound up that you know virtually almost whatever rig you use it'll mm. sound pretty good like what he's got so Fantastic. um and and he's also i always have to point out he's his rickenbackers um so i use i use rickenbackers his uh ibanez oh rickenbackers right so years ago that. yeah so years ago we went through we we looked at Rickenbacker, Rickenbacker's bass, and we tried them out, and they were nowhere near. There's like a mid bass or mid mm-hmm. type thing that 
that Ibanez seemed to hit, um, mm. and we just could not get it with the, uh, the Rickies. So just, there you go. The sound is, uh, I mean, like I said earlier, it sounds like no one else on earth. And that's it's right. just got so much punch, and that's all the bass and the drums. I mean, that's the tightest rhythm the section in Australia. Yep, yep, it's the engine room, yep. And um, question then, does Kim yep. actually ever smile? And if he does, how many people die when he does? Only, only if you ever see him smile on stage, it's because he's farted. <laughs> I'll remember that and I'll run even further because, my God, that man terrifies me. It just as a presence on stage. He doesn't have to do anything and he's got probably more stage presence than most people. Yeah, I know. It's I'm not a big fight with you. <laughs> I do. I can remember seeing a... A, a guy pick a fight one time and I just thought, oh, I really feel sorry for that guy. <laughs> He's going to get hurt very badly. <laughs> Look, is, is there any chance that you guys are going to head overseas again uh, to try try doing a few tours overseas uh-huh. or anything like that? I'd love it. Um, it always seems that when we do the, the, the maths on it, it always comes out in a negative. Um, <clears throat> I think it really depends on who you can link up to. I don't know. There was some talk. Like, it was interesting when we'd been to it last time with aesthetics and seeing if there was some sort of approach there we could do. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, There's a question we always have to put back and see what we can come up with. There are people who you can virtually, you know, you can do it. I think the thing that I understood is that a lot of bands who tour, particularly if you go to Europe and that, it's almost like a one-off. They, they don't come back for another two years. Not mm. that would have mattered um, for us. Um, yeah, it would be really, really nice to do that, um, almost as a, you know, whatever. But um, yeah. not I'm saying we'd do that in Australia, but just to, to get that under our belts, it's, it uh, would be good just to show people what we can do. Who knows? Maybe one day. It depends on whether you want to live in a van smelling each other's socks, I suppose. You know, it's okay. You can do it for a short amount of time, but you don't want to do it for an extended amount of time. Just as well you're related to the bass player, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, mate, thank you so much. I, I know the time's almost up here and you've probably got a whole bunch more interviews to, to get through before uh, the end of Pretty easy today. <laughs> Fantastic. Pretty well, easy. I can't wait to see you guys in September. So you're playing uh, Miami Marquetta, I think, and then up here again at the zoo, um, which now has yeah. air conditioning. So because people were saying it was just like ridiculous otherwise. Yeah. It's oh, it's gross. I think the last time I – no, it wasn't the last time I saw you. I've seen you since then, but I saw yeah. you at, at the zoo and just down the road, um, uh, Shellac were playing that same night. Yep. So oh, that's a pity. That's a pity. Oh. What a, I reckon I remember that. Yeah. I can I remember. Yeah. Because you said yeah. that. I don't know why you guys are here. Steve Albini's yeah. playing down the road. Well, because yeah. you're here? <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, I, I've seen you guys quite a number of times now. I, I spent 2001 living in Melbourne around the time that you were doing a lot of uh, shows around the uh, This Is This album. So I do, oh, do right. remember catching you at the corner with Dern Rutledge and oh, who else yeah. it was. There was another Adelaide band that was constantly giving you guys shit. I can't remember who they were, a punk band. <laughs> and that Rollins show. So, and, you know, plenty of time yeah. since then. So I'm looking forward to the shows again. Can't wait. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a, hell of a lot more people there with me. 
Uh, come up, say hello. We'll catch we'll up. We'll do, John. Drink. Absolutely, no I'll buy one. Catch you later, John. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you. No cheers, worries. Bye. Cheers.